0: It's time for the Take a Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Howell. Please take a seat. Good morning, everybody. This is Kevin Howell, your host uh, at TakeASeat.tv. This morning, we have a great entrepreneur again on the show. His name is Joshua Knight, a really exciting entrepreneur a guy who started in mathem- uh, mathematics and st- uh, statistics and then moved into the fashion industry. So without further ado, here is Joshua Knight. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, Joshua, so um, we we obviously had some uh, pre-show discussion, so I'd like the people just to get a background of who you are. So in three words, who is Joshua? Joshua is a boundary breaker. <laughs> right. Okay. Boundary breaker. And, and is does that mean you disrupt everything wherever you go, you disrupt things?
1: That is the intention, yes. I believe that disruption is the is the is something is a key theme of my life at the moment. All right.
0: <laughs> All right. Joshua, so what's interesting about our backgrounds is um we both studied at the same, same university. I said to you this morning I studied mathematics at the University of the Free State. You did that as well, or statistics and mathematics. So I was really interested when I read about your story last week. Um, you've also got some um, friends of mine as, as friends, so you know. Just talk us through how you got to where you are, and what are you what are you doing at the moment? What are you, you know, what what is the disrupting that you're doing at the moment?
1: Oh, thank you so much. Yes, yeah, so as you said, my background is in mathematical statistics from the University of the Free State. Um, at that point in time, I was really gearing my career to be in finance, um, and that's where most uh, statistics professionals or people study math end up in. Right. Um, and yeah, having, um, consequently to that, relocating to Johannesburg, working in the mining and energy space a bit, understanding where quant is applied, and from there, taking it further is was about where I ended up in Edcon. Um, at Edcon, at that stage, there was a lot of transitions going on, which was about changing the business, right, and bringing analytics to the core focus. And that's what I was brought in to do. And I joined the strategy team in that. And the... The intention there was to merge analytics with marketing, with operations, with strategic decisions that were taking place in the business. And I was very fortunate to be working under some very smart people. who who knew where they wanted the business to go. They had the vision for the business. And we started this journey there. We started this journey of implementing analytics in every kind of focus of this business, starting with marketing and how we analyze promotions and how we analyze campaigns and setting up um, certain KPIs and how we monitor them. I mean, the most typical KPI in marketing is ROI, right? So you want to know how much you're spending on marketing and if you're getting a return on that and making that a, a core... Decision-making function, right, and also helping the teams there to also understand why we're starting to give analytics such a focus because it helps us really be results-oriented and points us to the same um, strategic initiative. And then, point from there was about applying that throughout the business. So then, I also started a, an analytics team um, and making that a core function of the operations team. There is um, setting up how we make decisions with stores and what size of stores and how much staff should be in the stores, how much stock should go to stores. These are kind of simple basic decisions that we were trying to set up as analytics as a foundation. And the and 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 last part of that was bringing in AI um, because we saw AI as a very important integral part of the strategy be, as we had overstock stores and we wanted to, to basically predict sales more accurately so that we have the right amount of stock in the right stores. Um, and not compromising customer satisfaction. And this was the entire journey. So post that happening um, and you know all that happened with Edcon, the idea then was then the team, the people that I worked with there and very smart, brilliant people that I worked with there and, and Vian China, who's the CEO of Zinio, we sat down and we tried to identify where is there still gaps in this market, um, where we can leverage this amazing AI that Vian had built um, And we we, we put our minds together, we did a a lot of brainstorming and a lot of research to find that there is is gaps in the South African retail landscape and maybe globally as well, that independent fashion brands are not really being serviced. Um, Customers want access to them, customers want to shop them, but there isn't, and especially post the COVID-19 impact, customers don't really have access to this marketplace, right? Um, And what you're seeing is that most of them are selling on Instagram and most of them are, uh, you know, formulating this whole idea and customers want to stand out. They want this product and they want to look, um, they want to look a certain way, right? They don't want to just formulate opinions about, um, what they should be, what they should be wearing. Right. And that's the whole idea behind how we formulated this thing. We started doing research on social media to try and see where the, where the gaps are. And the idea here is about bringing, fashion to the people, right? Bringing fashion to the people, um, because people want to look different, people want designer brands, and this is what we want to do. So the whole intention of our our platform is to bring front row fashion to the people standing out. And this entire, we have like ideas to put basically 5,000 designers, fashion brands. It could be all over the world. It could be Africa. It could be South Africa in front of yeah. customers. And, and using AI, we can do this because we can address this this, this long tail. We call it long tail, meaning there's, un, there's items that are unlikely to be in retail. So they're most, the least popular items that are not commercial. Um, so people want these items because they want to stand out. They want to look different. They want a different material. They want a different pattern. Um, right. But they don't know where to get access to it. And that's the whole idea.
0: Okay, got it, Joshua. Um, just tell us, in terms of your entrepreneurial spirit, where does this come from? Is it is it something you were born with? Did you get it from your parents? Did you learn how to be an entrepreneur? How did this all happen?
1: I think I, I think I definitely got a bit of it from my parents. Uh, my parents are boundary breakers in in their own right. Um, they, they came from Sri Lanka and they moved to Lesotho and they just started setting up different things. They, they were doctors, but they started setting up schools and they started setting up a hospital and those kind of things. I think it did, growing up watching them, that's what I learned. But also what it came from is just a frustration, to be honest, is seeing so much not being done. Um, okay. when, when, when you come from an analytical background, you see that there's so much potential. And when you see that so many, so many organizations are tied back by legacy, tied back by traditional thinking, um, it starts to get frust- frustration because there is a different way to do it. Um, yeah. And I'm not necessarily talking about reinventing the wheel. I'm talking about the organizations that are making it work all over the world and you just have to go learn how they're doing it and implement it you know yeah um and it. there's 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 new and different ways of doing things that are relevant to this time and age that were not relevant 10 years ago i mean even something yeah. that was applicable two years ago covert has completely changed that as well yeah. right so we're seeing how the world suddenly rushed to digitize themselves yet yeah. for the last five years digitization has been in every strategic initiative of, of most corporates but Only COVID-19, suddenly it's now an urgent thing. We need to digitize our our organization right now. But I promise you, go back and look at all the strategic initiatives. Digitization is the core of every single one. Um, But they're not being implemented because organizations are very slow to move. Um, And that, for me, was a frustration. It was like, we have to be able to do
0: things differently. And that's kind of where my thinking stems from. Right. Right. Joseph, and, and I'm sure that's this is also a way to stand out in the crowd because, I mean, at the moment, there's so much noise out there about brands and, you know, the, the different ideas and different businesses and the different business models. And I think yes. the only way to stand out is to do something really significant, especially yes. in the fashion industry.
1: Yes, and, and you really see that even the brands, the well-known brands that you know of, they're also moving away from being in the retail space, right? What they're doing is they... They want to sell their own brand. So local fashion brands are becoming a massive, massive, local independent brands are becoming a massive focus. Um, and that is the, essentially the intention here is that uh, I think the, over the weekend, the CEO of Shopify um, on CNN was talking about how independent fashion brands are uh, or independent small independent brands are the future. Are the future of global retail, not just fashion retail, but global retail. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really what's what we're, tra- we're starting to see. I mean, as we started this initiative in uh, in November, the amount of brands and the amount of um, fashion brands and the amount of independents we've come across was just really alarming. There's so many. Um, there's so many in South Africa specifically that are doing a great job of building themselves. You know, putting themselves out there. Um, which is really amazing.
0: Right. Now, Joss, um, in terms of you um, and your motivation for this business, where, does, where do you find your motivational inspiration for this business? What's what's this about? Why have you got this driving force behind you?
1: It's it's really about changing the landscape, to be honest, standing out, making sure that uh, – because – First of all, we have some really beautiful technology that can really do amazing things. And the idea here is to make this technology service the customer. I think that's what makes me really passionate about this business because ultimately you, you have your business initiatives like making money and all these things. But yep. what's really important is that customers are getting what they want um, and what they w- And th- there's there's this whole drive behind it for me is that I'm passionate about. Um, making a difference um, in people's right. lives, making a difference in business, and I think this is what coming across with this whole initiative is that we can make a difference at the same time we can also add value um, throughout and build something that that you know can can transcend what what our, ourselves were thinking it would initially be.
0: Right, right, Joshua. Now, in terms of um, mail order or you know uh, getting this stuff logistics around fashion, do you think we're in a mature market? Mature enough market to facilitate that, you know, that kind of logistics.
1: Yes, um, it's it's quite it's quite amazing how the logistics landscape in South Africa has just become so. Ma- I think if you think about Parcel Ninja, for example, that there are lots of articles about Parcel Ninja and them being acquired by Imperial, um, and th- that just shows yourself how there were new entrants into the market as well because the logistics space was was booming, right? And um, from that as well. What you're seeing is that also people are starting to think about we don't have to import from china we don't have to import from bangladesh they are local factory mm-hmm. partnerships they're local cmt partnerships that can be leveraged here even african partnerships like in other countries in africa there is lots of room for this i think even the government did a study about this in terms of how much can be leveraged um, in terms of local production and um, I think that's what you're seeing. The logistics landscape is being set up for local production. is being set up to to, to really give local uh, businesses a chance. Um, right. And the, 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 the last part of that, what's missing, is giving customers access to those businesses um, right. and and that kind of thing.
0: Okay, Josh. In terms of the location of these businesses, um, is is it a is it a digital only brand, or is there, are there stores as well? Or you, at, so, or you look at you look at stores as well in, in, in the future.
1: So the intention is not really to be a store focused. Um, if you think about who we'd like to emulate, other likes of Farfetch um, in the UK or ASOS, um, or, or the, you know, there's some stores like you know Selfridges in London who have st- who kind of do what we're doing, but have flagship stores. Uh, our intention is not to really ever open stores we we'd probably do events we do pop-ups we do certain hotspots that allow us to you know have good business good, good business presence but some right. of our brands already have their stores like their boutiques and they have their own local presence so we don't need to be that um, the idea is to also keep this a low operating cost, right? So for us, the future is not brick and mortar retail. The future is online commerce. And that's what we want to make sure we own and we're dedicated to, um, which al- allow us to solely focus on this and optimize this experience. So right. bringing in the idea is to also bring in new ways for customers to experience fashion online. There's so much technology that's breaking boundaries in terms of you can use an app now to check your size, um, your body size, or you can use an app to Capture a picture of of clothing and see how it would fit on you. Um, right. And with the way logistics has moved, things like returns and exchanges become a non-starter. So if you don't like something, you just return it. And that's with the way globally uh, fashion retail has moved is that you have free returns. So if you don't like something, you just return it. And that's like, it's not an it's not a loss for the customer. So, yeah. and what you'll find with our business, we've had very little returns. Our customers are, are very satisfied with the quality of our brands. They're very satisfied with... Um, with the perception and and they're very satisfied with what they're getting is like what they see on the website what they see on our social media that's what they're getting um and that's what we're noticing as well so a high quality standard is also what we're trying to stand for in terms of local fashion doesn't have to be cheap doesn't have to doesn't have to be low doesn't have to be low quality it can stand for something and you can be very proud to wear it
0: right so do you guys make mostly make use of south african designers or is this external designers as well
1: at, at this juncture, it's all our, all our designers and brands are locally produced, locally manufactured, um, locally designed. Um, and that's the whole idea. They have a whole background story to them. And we try to make that story also come across um, because it's also about them, not necessarily about us. So customers get to know who they're wearing. And we're seeing great success stories because... Sometimes you can have uh, some brands that were already established before we started working with them. And you can see customers were quite excited to work with them. And then there are some brands that just started as we did and customers just love the product and just Mm -hmm. did more research. Oh, this is the guy's background and this is what they're trying to do. And customers love those stories. Like this is a local designer came, for example, comes out of Soweto, has a passion for fashion, um, had to put themselves through school to learn how to stitch and all that stuff. And they're bringing a unique identity and a unique, Uh, something unique to to the fashion space and it's just it's really an amazing story as well
0: i love that because in the early 2000s there there was this big drive with the local brands and putting shops up that that stock the different local brands but i think the the issue there was always the accessibility to find the right item that you wanted it was really difficult Mm -hmm. and do you see yourself yourself uh, bridging that gap for people finding that specific item that you were looking for
1: Yes, that's, that's the beauty and that's probably why it was a lot more difficult earlier on is because of the we have the access to the kind of artificial intelligence that can do that. So by what our technology is doing by looking at trends by gathering data of customer interactions, our technology is learning what people want, what people uh, are looking for, what price points people are willing to spend at um, and right. merging this all into insights that we can leverage and use our, our very talented Team to go and work with our fashion designers and say, "Listen, the in the market, this is what's really going on. Maybe these kind of materials are now fading away." And it's about setting the trend rather than right now. What the current South African fashion landscape does is that we go abroad and we look at what's happening in America, we look at what's happening in Europe, in Australia, and Brazil, and then we come back and try and replicate that. And you'll find that's like an 18 month cycle. So something that was in my that something was in the high streets in Miami or high streets in London, it makes it to South Africa 18 months later. And what you find is all the retailers are stocking the same thing. Um right. it, and I, I don't want to specifically mention names, but you'll just see it on the windows all the retailers have the same thing because they all do the same thing. They go out, they look right. at what's in the stores of the, the high fashionable stores like let's say Zara or they look at the high streets of London um, and like Primark etc and will look at what is there and then they'll come back and put a whole process together and, and then they'll do the same type of thing. But there's no trend setting that stems from really local inspiration which is also what is really important.
0: Okay. Josh, now tell me about the data. Is there anything in future, are there going to be options for other companies to buy data from you guys? Yes. That's
1: also some of the ideas we're exploring is that once we have this kind of data, how can we leverage it and and give that insights to other companies? Say, hey, listen, we're working with this very cool local brand. This is their clothing, it sold really well. Here's the insights, don't you want to partner with this local brand to bring them into your stores? Um, and that also gives these local brands a launch pad as well to get into local stores. So rather than selling, um, the, the let's say something that comes from abroad, you have a local fashion brand in your store and it's risk mitigated because we've given you the data to, to support that customers want this local brand and that yeah. should that will then make it very easy to get more local brands into our, our commercial fashion stores um and give and and make that uh, expand that more into a wider scale
0: right Joshua, i love that because um you know for many years i've been seeing this trend that you you've just spoken about you know south africans looking towards the uk or looking towards the us for answers about local problems and as we yes. all know, Africa has to find their own answers to their own problems. So this is a great way to do that.
1: But what's really interesting and what we're finding is that actually abroad, people want Africans' inspiration. They want African style. They want this identity. Right. I mean, right. we've, we've in, in our research, we've come across many African designers who are making it quite big abroad, which is really amazing. Um, and that is part of the storyline in terms of... Um, what we're trying to do is give these African brands exposure and make sure that even international chains and retailers can get access to them, which is part of the story here for these brands.
0: Got it. Got it. Josh, now let's just change gears back to when you started. Um, how do you handle, how did you handle investment and funding for this business? Because I mean a lot, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there who want to start a business and they think, but I can't, I don't have the money. Like what has been your your relationship with funding and investment and so forth?
1: I must say that is a very that is something that we are still trying to navigate and 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 figure out. It is it's a unique challenge that um, maybe because of my experience in the private equity space, but we also, were, were looking at different options i think when when the whole jet transition was happening um we were part of the management team buyout or the temp for the management team buyout that was reported with lion pride so there was many things that we came across in terms of there is investors and there is there is people who want to invest in this type of thing but the what we're really discovering is finding the bridging point between these two so um south african investors invest very differently from let's say european investors especially when you look at startups um south african investors tend to look at income statements and balance sheets but for a startup that's a non-starter right because you don't yet have the runway to have set up that whole thing what what south african investors need to look at is possibly um something like um, a story they buy into and how they buy into that story and is there a good team behind it and these are these are some of the things we're finding uh uh that's not necessarily challenging, but is part of the conversation is we have a story, um, we have a good team, and we have a plan. Um, yeah. And this is what we would like to implement. Um, and this is really the challenge in terms of the landscape is finding the people who resonate with that story and say, we, we believe in this team, we believe in the technology. Okay, guys, here's the runway, uh, we have some appetite, some risk appetite to invest in this idea. And we take it from there. But right. what we do is what we're really looking at is um, angel investors, people who are interested in business, have, have some liquidity in place, um, and institutions who are passionate about giving our kind of idea the platform that it needs. And that's, that's what we're really focused on. And so we're still speaking to angel people, angel investors, and finding angel investors who, who like our idea and want to want to be part of it.
0: Um, and that's really what we've been trying to do in terms of raising investment. Right. And Joshua, would you say that you know uh, finance in general in South Africa, the type of finance like um, uh, seed funding, angel investment, uh, private equity is still in its infancy in South Africa. We're still learning those things. Yes, I would definitely
1: agree with that. Um, we've seen that sometimes and the, the luxury that we don't have is startups don't have a long runway. Um, and the timing it takes to get a seed funding or the timing it takes to get through institutions like the IDC and, and the right who are supposed to be supporting businesses. It's really, the, the startups don't have that luxury to wait 18 months to go through an entire vetting process. And I do yeah. understand why it's needed from their side because you don't want to throw away money and you want to invest in a solid idea and a solid business principle. Um, and hence that that for me is what you know kind of formulates that whole idea is that we are really in our infancy because in America and Europe, when somebody likes an idea, the timeline that it goes is quite fast. It, it really is like a few months of vetting and understanding the idea, seeing the business strategy, the business plan, and then we go. Um, because the longer you yeah. take to invest, the longer you take to execute that strategy. Um, So definitely, I can agree that we still have a long way to go in terms of South Africa. And the sad part is there is so many great ideas. There's so many tech ideas in South Africa. The potential here is insane. Um, I mean, if you look at the Bolt story, right, the guys who came up with Bolt and how they've they've created a launch pad with that, but how how they struggled to get funding. I think that was in the Financial Times this weekend. How they struggled to get funding, they eventually had to resort to crowdfunding. So there is a long way to go, um, especially if you don't know people right and you're just somebody with a business idea Uh, there is a long way to go because if you don't have access to a high network uh, network how how do you raise funding for your business idea Um, and there is a long way to go in in that
0: regard yeah and Josh why do you think that is do you think it's a cultural thing that we are a bit more cautious in South Africa or conservative about money because I mean there are people out there with money but it, it seems to be a very conservative environment if I can't see it I can't fund it. Type of scenario.
1: I I would say there is an element of conservative, but I think it's also about um, it's about setting up conversations, setting up events where business people, people who are looking for it, um, want to want to want to invest in it. So the idea is, if someone has a working proof of concept and setting up that environment where the right type of angel investor who has the kind of liquidity to invest in these comes and there's a working proof of concept there's a right appetite if someone has this in place then we have that environment where these two come and meet and they have synergy right and that's the that's for me the essential part that we need to look towards is that where is the place where people who want to invest in businesses meet with people with the right ideas the right concept the right teams and 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 then that formulates and grows into something more sustainable. And ultimately, what we want to see is more businesses being listed on the JC. What we want to see is more businesses growing and raising funding and getting global platforms, global global landscape. Right. And, but that all starts from this this level of collaboration between a startup idea and an angel investor or institution, and that grows into something that that's a big uh, a business idea um, that can be global global game changer.
0: Got it. Josh, now a little bit more about yourself. What does a typical day look like for Joshua? What what time do you get up, and how does, what does the schedule look like during the day?
1: <laughs> so um, I I am a night person. Um, I do both my best work at night. So getting up in the mornings oh. is is usually a challenge for me. Rainfall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, what a typical day for us is we we have team meetings and we strategize on the on the days on the days events and. The brands we're going to interview and our marketing strategy and an update on our funding um, and who we're speaking to and then we go into execution mode it's about approving the right messaging that goes out on our social on our website um, looking at the working with brands in terms of collaborating and looking at what they're trying to release and how that fits planning our next photo shoots our catalog drops uh, looking at our budgets and seeing what kind of runway we have and then as well, looking at the analytics and spending a good time, good deal of time in the analytics, building out the software components you're seeing on the website, the artificial intelligence coming across in our Windows Shopper. Um, these are the kind of things we spend a lot of focus in. And then it's about spending good time with the team and understanding where everybody's at and how it's very intensive it's very busy um we spend a lot of time in meetings and then we're speaking to investors uh, potential investors angel investors people who are interested and that's that's tip- a typical day in, in terms of my work day and then it's about getting home getting some exercise and you know getting some de-stress um yeah. i think that's very important is having a moment to de-stress or having something that you take away because your brain needs to relax. Um and I find that a very particularly difficult because I'm always switched on. Um I'm thinking right. about the next thing I'm not trying to do. And that's for me the biggest challenge is like just switching off and relaxing and, and disconnecting so that I have a fresh mind the next day. Um and that's the, that's the
0: idea. Okay. Josh, now I know you know all about hard work. So, what would you uh, say is your greatest achievement thus far in entrepreneur in the entrepreneurial world?
1: I think I still have a long way to go um, in terms of what I could say is my greatest achievement. But I think, from a personal point of view, is I'd thought this this having just launched something like this, put together brought together a team of such talented people, and launching this and and giving it an attempt. I think. Many people have ideas. Many people are always formulating ideas and seeing gaps, but actually taking the steps to do something about it. I think for me, that would be my biggest achievement is that instead of just thinking about an idea, um, you put gonna. together, we put together and tried. Um, so even if we fail and I, we won't fail, but even if we fail, we tried, we were in the match, we stepped into yeah. the ring and we, we, we were participating. It's easy to be outside coaching. When you're in the ring, um, that's the most important part. And I think that's what uh, stood out, that stands out for me in terms of um, my greatest achievement is instead of being in the ring and looking at what the gaps are, I stepped into it and I decided, we decided that this is what we're going to do and we did it.
0: Got it. So Josh, you were speaking about when, you know, when failure happens. So I want to know from you, it's something that I always question myself on. When do you give up with an idea? When do you stop? Sure, um,
1: I'm yet to come across an idea I want to give up on. <laughs>
0: so okay.
1: um, I think resilience is important, but it's also about doing that with intelligence and the right amount of data. Right? There is, there is, there is, there is punching a brick wall and and expecting results, but there is also having to persist because your your breakthrough is literally a a. a, a close by right um and i think it's really about how passionate you are and it's also about how much you think the gap is um and Assessing the reality and looking at what's practical and so looking at what's, what's what what you can achieve is, is part of it. You have to be pragmatic. Um, there is yeah. a level of head in the clouds, but there's a level of practicality that has to apply in terms of, because there's also financial decisions at play, people's livelihoods yeah. at play. And it's important to assess all of that very practically and understand where you're at. And um, sometimes things are nice to have, but, uh, but sometimes there's also, you have to, to good the takeaways and good lessons. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's important. Just being practical and assessing every situation, its own merit, um, is very important. Got it. I think, because, yeah, just just an example, because I think if you look at the likes of Mark Zuckerberg and the Jeff Bezos, people, many people told them to quit along the way because they told them what they're trying to think of is is not ideal, it's not practical, there's no cap for it. People don't want to be on social media. Um, Their resilience is what brought them to that. So also the amount of belief you have in your idea and your concept is really important because there will be naysayers. There will be people who say, this is not practical. There will be people who are better reserved. And you have to believe in your idea um, to a fault, but also look at there's probably other ways to get to that objective. It's not only one way to go about it. Um, And that's really what's important is is assessing strategy midway and readjusting um, to get to where you want to be.
0: Yeah. I think the difficulty with entrepreneurs is always, you know, their, their drive is so such a significant part of their being, you know, wanting to achieve. And I'm always interested in, in that concept of hitting your head against a brick wall. You know, when do you stop and say, I'm done? But I like what you're saying. Um, you know, keeping abreast of the facts. It's really what's important here. Um, knowing practically what's, what's happening and whether you're running out of cash because, I mean, obviously if you run yeah. out of cash, it is the end of the road. So very important yes. to keep abreast of that.
1: But I think it's it's also important to assess what tools you have, right? Yeah. Every task is about the tools and the team around you. So if you have the right tools and you have the right team, that adds that adds more weight and gravitas to your resilience. Um, right. And that that you guys will carry each other in the low moments where you know things are not working out. Um, and that's what's really important: is that team that you have, the people you're working around. I think no man is an island. Um, yes. And as a, as entrepreneurs. We need to foster collaboration rather than competition um uh, competition is what yes competition is healthy but collaboration is what really helps businesses grow and evolve and that's really my belief is that when we foster collaboration and people with the same like-minded different backgrounds um it really helps with that difficulty and and those 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 things that we're trying to achieve
0: got it Josh, now on the Take A Seat TV Academy, we speak a lot about purpose and finding your purpose and doing using your talents and abilities. So after the break, I want to come back to you and talk about purpose. So think about that and how that fits into your business. We'll be back just now. All right. Thank you. Want to, ex- want to accelerate your life? Start by finding your purpose. Purpose has become somewhat of a cliche, but in recent years, Research has shown that purpose is a tool that can be used to enjoy the abundant life. Yes, you too can become wealthy and live a meaningful life. We have developed an action-packed six-weeks online course that takes you through six critical steps to start taking massive action towards your abundant life. Go to www.takeasit.tv and click on Academy. Get ready to accelerate! All right, Josh. So, tell me about purpose. How, how does purpose fit into your life? How do you how do you see your life panning out using your talents and abilities? And then also around your team, how you choose team members around purpose.
1: I think this is very important. Um, earlier on, in, earlier on in, at at Edcon, one of the things we started to bring on was purpose. And what really opened my eyes to purpose was the Simon Sinek uh, lecture on "Start with Why." Um, that for me was a very important. Eye opener for me because if we have a joint, united purpose, everything else kind of builds around it. Otherwise, we don't have a single point of entry of what we're trying to achieve. Um, and that that lecture, which I really highly recommend, and the book um, is really very cool because when he, when he speaks about Apple and how Apple built around their purpose, it shows how everything else came from that. And I think that for me is is really important with our team and what we're trying to achieve is that when you have the same the same purpose in mind everything else becomes a lot easier i think if we're all fighting if we're all fighting different purposes different different objectives it's a lot harder because then you're you're bringing your own intentions and and that that all comes in conflicts and clashes but if we've established what is this business's purpose what is what what is it what trying to achieve Building on top of that becomes a lot easier. It becomes a foundation of every single decision we make. And we always bring it back to that, guys, what is the purpose of what we're trying to achieve? Why are we here? Why are we doing what we're doing? And that's a core part of who I am, is that um, my purpose is to make a difference. I want to see businesses thrive, but at the same time, impact people's lives. Um, and that for me builds into this is just like, we can make millions. We can build businesses. We can go and have good careers and have a a comfortable life. But in that, how are we making a change in in people's lives? And for me, that builds into my purpose and what we're trying to do. Um, and I think a lot of the people in the team are very passionate about that, of that kind of thing is making a difference, being more than just uh, being more than just a business about making money, but being authentic and standing for our beliefs and how we make that come across.
0: Right. So Josh, you connected it to unity. How important is unity in your your, your group at the moment? Unity of thought, unity of where we're going, going at the moment? Sure. I think that that's essential. Um, we've seen places where we were not
1: united, uh, the team dynamics break down. And being united and having unity, having great team dynamics, is a core foundation of this business. Um, uh, because it started off with a team and an idea, and this team and the way it works together is the core foundation of of where we're going, where we're going towards. So unity, I cannot stress enough how important it is. I think what what I can say from my previous experiences is that, the we saw unity break down at econ We saw different objectives, different people trying different things and wanting to save their jobs or trying to, you know, different interests starting to conflict, and um, that's where a lot of things also started to break down. Is that there was no common common united goal um everybody was out for themselves and that for me was a, a lesson to learn is that businesses that are not united where people are not having a good dynamic um yeah. will ultimately fail
0: right josh now in terms of the team um how do you when you guys do selections of, of team members what is the shortcut for you to get to you know i am employing someone in purpose i'm i'm providing a space where that guy can flourish in my business how do you make those decisions?
1: I think personally, what I felt is skills can be taught, but intention and identity and truth are things that someone comes with um, and people need to have their own truth on display. Um, We can teach people how to use systems. We can teach people a certain type of thinking. Um, Ultimately, skill sets are, are that, but an attitude um, and an attitude is very essential to picking people that fit into this team. Because if they come with the wrong attitude, if they come with um, it's about me attitude, not part of the team, not part of not part of building this thing as a team, then they're disruptive to the team energy. No matter how talented you may be, if you have the wrong attitude, if you don't formulate how you join part of this team, how your talents are going to help the team flourish. Um, you're going to be disruptive, you're going to be divisive. Um, And that's really important is attitude is really important. Intention is really important. So certain questions that we ask to suss out, what is this person's intentions? uh, Like financial and and like, is it purpose driven? Do they resonate with what we're trying to do here? And as a startup, I think that's very essential is that we have the right people because we have the potential to grow into a big brand and very valuable. But we need the right team now, who see that vision and and buy into it, and are patient. Uh not going to be constantly asking, when is it going to happen. Patience is important. So, it all yeah. formulates down for me is attitude. If, we ha- if the attitude is correct, anything else can be taught. We can learn um, what we have to learn in terms of skill set and uh, and achieve that. So, if we have the right intention, and attitude, a lot right. will be achievable.
0: Right. Josh, now character obviously is important, and but you're talking about learning skills, learning new ways of doing things. How do you build yourself and grow as an entrepreneur on a daily basis? Sure, um, I am constantly reading. Um, I think reading is an essential part of
1: growing your mind. I'm reading research articles, I'm reading books, I'm listening to eBooks, I'm looking at online courses. I think. One thing I was thinking to myself the other day, we are so fortunate to be growing up in this day and age where information is so rich. Uh, you can yep. go onto YouTube, you can go onto YouTube and literally find anything on anything. There's so many uh, free online courses that you can take. So there's things you don't need to spend money on um, that you ha- you can achieve. And, there's, and now digitized learning is becoming literally the norm um and for me is i'm constantly reading researching i have google alerts out on articles i have i have literally folders and folders of where i've served research articles i've saved uh, business articles on how people are doing things. And then, most importantly, I go and I'm trying to learn from how others have achieved. So, doing studies on other businesses, how they thrive, the likes of Microsoft, the likes of Apple, um, the likes of Tesla, making sure to understand those formulas that they identified. How do, the, how do we replicate those formulas in the way we're doing business right now? And that's okay. really an important part of of fostering that entre, entrepreneurial spirit is reading. Um, right. It can't be under, it, I really can't understate it. When my colleagues told me about how much they read, I was just like, okay, I'm behind the curve. And I was like, where do I find time? And, and a big part of that right. is I just started listening to audiobooks. Um, just to enrich my mind and make sure I'm thinking the right way. Um, when I'm gymming, I have audio book in, um, and when I'm driving, I have audio book in because I'm always trying to say how much information am I giving my brain to enrich it more.
0: Right. So, so from reading all these books, Josh, what do you think? Do you think there's a winning formula to being a successful entrepreneur? From what you've read and you know what you what you've experienced.
1: I think there is a winning formula, but it's different from person to person think. There are people that are multi-talented like musicians, artists, you know, even programmers and coders, people who think very differently. And then there are people who are like creatives, right? And then there are people who are pragmatic and people who work on the systems and need a plan in place. So I think it is different for each person. You just have to figure out the right formula for you. But there is certain building blocks that you put in place. You need to have a solid plan. You need to have discipline. You need to have the right conversations with your team. You need to be realistic and pragmatic about your current state and where you want to be there is certain fundamentals that allow you to to move forward in your business but at the same time you also have to allow what is unique and different about yourself to also come across so that because if we all try to apply the same formula then we'd all be the same so there is what's different our background our knowledges our talents and our passions need to also come across in how we do our work um, for for there to be a thriving environment in your entrepreneurial uh, businesses Um, But the fundamentals still stay the same. Work hard work, uh, applying your mind, um, asking people for help. Um, I think don't be arrogant to think that you always have everything figured out. There are people who can help. There are people who have different opinions. And that's an important part of building a a business is always be learning, always be open to input. Um, And I think that's very important is because there are people uh, outside view that can help you see what's happening on the outside because you're in it you're entrenched in it you're in the war zone so you need someone as a strat- strategy tactician outside saying hey listen i see something different there they, you're not walking there it's important yeah. to always have an open mind um, but that's also important to know what to take in and not take in sometimes that's important yeah. it's like what is what what this person saying valid assess it is it not valid and right. take it from there and right. that's that's i think some of the things i've identified as key essential building blocks to a successful business
0: right so that speaks to mentorship josh how important has mentorship been in your life um, in your entrepreneurial journey so important i think i
1: have i have the privilege of working with some really inspired people who i can learn from i think in my whole life, I've had this whole, I've had the privilege of being the youngest in in a social circle because, and what I've just, been, by being the youngest in all my social circles, I've just been able to absorb in what everybody around me is saying and doing and applying that. Um, I have quite a few business mentors um, that I speak to on a daily basis about the challenges of going in. My mentor at ETCON, his name was Jerry Anthony Roger. He was, he, was, he was very essential to uh, who I am and what I'm doing today. And then working with the likes of Vian, Dustin, Amy, um, these are very intelligent people, very open-minded, um, which allow me to just absorb in all of their personality and the strengths and, and learn from them. And I think that's really important. And the people I work with around, I, I work with, I, I, mm. I'm very good friends with other business owners and other entrepreneurs and how they're thriving, that plays a very central role in who I am um and and what i do today okay.
0: and if you have to choose one example uh, josh of an entrepreneur that you look up to and you, you seek inspiration from who would that be um like personally somebody i know or like at a global stage a global stage
1: sure i think the go-to people that people aspire to is the likes of um yeah, I mean, like Donald Trump, <laughs> but I'll say that in in a in a joking way. But he is he is he is he is a very smart guy in how he does things. But I think Jeff Bezos, um, Elon Musk, Warren Buffett, these are the people I do like learn from. But outside of that, um, I think here locally. Um, I, I, really am aspire to the guys who are building businesses up, um, uh, Adrian Gore and how they're building discovery. And I look at those type of people and I see what they're doing. And, um, that's what I aspire to. And I look towards, um, and I also look at a, a lot of the people I aspire to also sports people. I think when I look at the likes of Sir Alex Ferguson and how he builds his business um how he built his legacy and the mindset he had to apply to players and i read about his autobiography i apply that things like to be successful in sports is very important the likes of jose marino I, I do draw from sport personalities as well because i think that kind of resilience to be successful in sport is very important and i take i take from that and i build to it um and and that's really my inspirations um but i do look at i do look at elon musk's life very closely because I think he's someone right now at the global stage everybody needs to learn from. Yes, he makes mistakes and that kind of thing. Um, and I look at the likes of Warren Buffett and where he is today and what took him to where he is and what he's doing at this global stage. Uh, and I think that's very important. Um, so those are very typical examples, but they're really typical for a reason because these guys have certain things in place and how they achieve them. Um, and from there you can learn a lot from their lives and their lives are on display. So there's so much to learn from them. Some extra eccentricities come across um, and those kind of things um, I think formulate very important. But here in South Africa, there are people breaking boundaries all the time, especially in the tech environment in the business environment. The people I know very closely, like Brian Kelly, who who is in building up his logistics business. I, I, I've watched them, how they're growing up, how him and his family are building his logistics business. quite. And um, for me, those are the type of people I aspire to and I look at and, and, I, and I see how they're building their businesses from nothing, and I take from that.
0: Right. Josh, now I'm interested you were talking about local business guys and, and uh, overseas and uh, global business people. How do you think we should bridge that in South Africa? Because we've got very unique problems to solve in our economy going forward. We need entrepreneurs. We need entrepreneurial activity and businesses to bolster our economy. But then we also have people that have global aspirations. How do you keep that balance of thought? Uh, I think that is a big challenge, right? Um, But I think it's
1: also about expanding our mind. I think what they have overseas obviously is, they have environments that foster more entrepreneurial systems and how they how they, like how to get funding for example is a big it's a big challenge for our entrepreneurs to get to a global stage and i, I think like if you look at the companies that list on the jsc um the companies that list on the jsc versus companies that are constantly ipoing abroad there's a big discrepancy right so we need to foster more of that, like more companies need to list on the JSC. More companies need that kind of exposure. And I think it's also a knowledge gap, right? It's about the education of how do you take a company and give it an ipo and list it so that it, it has a potential to grow i think that's very important we need, we want to see more comp- south african companies on the s&p 500 we want to see them thriving there but that knowledge yeah. gap of how do you, how do you take a company that's that's currently here and mm-hmm. and build it there right um and i think what's also important is that knowledge gap in terms of company ownership right i think a lot of people are hesitant to go those routes because they don't want to give up ownership of their companies but if you look at the likes of amazon as it's synonymous with Jeff Bezos, he only owned, I think about 11% of Amazon at, at the end. So, um, that's also important. like ownership does not necessarily mean, um, you need to always be fully owners of your business. Sometimes you need the external funding. You need to list your company to to move it to the next level, and that's yep. what we need to foster and, and bridge here in South Africa. I think also what we we're very young population in terms of generational wealth, right? So how we how we how we transfer that wealth to the next generation is also very important. So fostering um, fostering building environment is very important, and also getting 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 um, government to be involved. I think what's important is 100% of nothing is nothing, but 10% of a lot is a lot. So yes. we need to also kind of have that kind of thinking in place and in how, how we're building our businesses here locally.
0: All right. Josh, now that speaks to the concept or the definition of success because, I mean, I think a lot of business people in South Africa, as you say, think success is about ownership. How do you define success at the moment? I
1: think success success is, is setting out
0: is achieving what you set out to achieve.
1: Um, I would define myself as successful right now because I set out to achieve to prove that there's a gap in the market and we can build a, a business to do it. And I believe that's a level of success. Um, it doesn't whether whether we reach the heights we want to reach or not. It depends mm-hmm. on how how our our degree of resilience. Um, ultimately, that's very important for me. Is like. I, I, I can regard somebody who is completely satisfied with just working a mid-tier job, earning a salary and going home to their family as successful because that's what makes them happy. Um, and that, I think that's really important. We should not measure success by the amount of dollars in your bank account. You need to measure success by, ha- are you achieving your own personal goals? Um, and does that make you happy? Um, some people are completely happy with being who they are today. And that's, that's a part of success. Uh, but as well, we shouldn't be too comfortable. And important part of it is learning from your mistakes. Can you learn from your mistakes? Can you evolve? Um, you want to be a person that's constantly growing, constantly moving forward. Um, and that's one thing. Not everybody knows everything. So learning. And I think that's an essential part of success is is being able to learn and, and move from that. Because a, a dollar millionaire, for example, wants to be a hundred millionaire. You know, those are the, like, there will never always enough. be a degree.
0: Never yeah, enough.
1: exactly. Never enough. Uh, so if, if you're constantly defining yourself by that, you're never going to be successful. I think if I look at my father's life, who I regard as somebody who was very successful because he achieved what he wanted to achieve is impact people's lives. Um, and by not choosing... But not choosing to go wealthy, he chose to set up a hospital in rural in rural Lesotho because there was no healthcare there, and he impacted a lot of people's lives, saved a lot of people's lives by doing that. And for me, I regard that as successful, and I draw from that in terms of how I define my own personal success, and taking that um, taking that to the next level, um, and then being very thankful and having an attitude of gratitude, um, and being being proud of what you achieve, um, and not always looking at yourself critically and saying, "Wow, I didn't do, I didn't, I'm not, and I think a very important component of success, don't compare yourself to others, um, because that's where you fall for the trap. Um, Don't compare yourself to others, compare yourself to what you want to achieve, to what what you were yesterday, what you were the week before, um, which will help you find Uh, your your motive of success. I think we fall into the trap of comparing ourselves with others, but people, we are all going to walk different journeys. So we can't define our levels of success the same way. Um, And we'll be very unhappy if we do that. We are always comparing ourselves to others.
0: Right. Now, Josh, you were talking about goal setting, um, you know, achieving some milestones and and that, that being successful for you. What tips and tricks have you got for entrepreneurs who have to stay focused and productive day in and day out, despite the failures and disappointment in their careers.
1: I think I can draw from my, my business partner Vian. Um, he journals every day. Um, it's something I try. I want to. I want to try and implement into my life because by doing so, what he what he does is he goes back and he assesses his life. Um, when when he takes a moment to relax and and when he takes a moment to to de stress, he goes back. He reads his journals and he observes his life. Uh, from an outside perspective and he's constantly um, reevaluating who he is and reevaluating certain things that he needs to change. and that for me is a very progressive way of approaching it. and I think that's important is, we, we all have certain ways we go about tasks. We set short-term goals. We'll write a to-do list um, for the day and we'll set long-term goals and we'll have a plan to achieve them. And we'll set reminders on our phones. And you know we'll read the 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma about waking up at 5 a.m. and being more productive in that thing. But ultimately, I think it's about what you do to assess yourself, um, which is important. So what mechanics, what, what tricks do you have to go back and say, was I productive this week? What could I have done better? Am I gonna? And there's many ways people say is like choose one thing you want to change in your in your day to day, or choose one thing you want to change in your life and focus on that and achieve that first. Set yourself short term goals, small things, small tasks. Don't you know? There's various things, but for different people, it's different things. But I think ultimately it's about that metric of how you assess yourself, right? If you if you if you if you're introspective and you go about and you you, you assess yourself in that way, I think ultimately you'll you'll move forward. The most important thing you have to do is also slow down and assess yourself. If you're constantly running, you're going to burn out. Take some time, breathe, um, take some time out, assess where, you've, where you are at, um, and then plot your next steps. Um, I think it's a very important part of achieving your goals. If You're constantly running, you feel like you're in the thick of it, and the most important thing, you feel like you have no time. You're doing something wrong. You have to be able to have time to slow down, to assess yourself, to to, to de-stress because nobody can constantly be running at 100 the whole time. We have right. to slow down and we have to assess ourselves and we have to have measures in place to say, okay, here's my plumb line. Have I deviated from my plan? And if so, why did I deviate? Um, what do I need to do to get back to that, to that, to where I need to be? And that's important to have those things in place. I think you can't build a skyscraper without taking the time to assess, okay, are we formulating part of plan? Something's gone off. Has the wind shifted the building? Do we need to reassess uh, what we our, our metrics. Um, and it's a very calm, slow process because once you've built the skyscraper, you can't go back and fix things, right? So I think that's a very important part of also building your career and building your business is be able to slow down and assess things. Um, the minute you say you don't have time for something, you've lost the plot um, and that's important. You have to make time for, for rest. You have to make time for, for, for introspection and looking at things uh, calmly. And that'll that'll formulate part of what makes you successful.
0: All right. Now, if you think about big, audacious goals, Josh, um, what are the, what would you say are the top three places in the on the globe that you'd still like to conquer, cities or areas?
1: <laughs> um, I I would say first South Africa. <laughs> right. I think right. I think conquering Co- 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 South Africa and Africa are big parts of it. Um. In terms of where I'd like to see the brand grow out into, to be honest, I'm very passionate about Africa at this point. You know, I, I do want to see the brand branching out and taking, let's say, African fashion to Europe and that kind of things. Um, but the, the countries I'm most passionate about is Africa. I don't see myself, you know, going to another country and maybe at a certain stage there might be appetite to expand the business to other other countries. Um, and that's kind of what we see is setting up fashion llama as The same type of model we're using here they they, in every other country i believe they're probably the same problem that independent fashion brands don't have a place to to showcase their clothing and that kind of thing and that's kind of what what we see is like going country by country and allowing there to be an onboarding process for brands and then this website being synonymously known with this accessibility of fashion brands like that kind of thing and i think countries that I see doing lots of things, I think people will be shocked, but there's a country I like a lot is Rwanda, especially with Like, I think they're doing great things in Rwanda and how they're, they're, they're pushing the boundaries and making their country thrive. Um, I was fortunate of being able to travel there when I worked in the mining space. And I think, That's one of the countries in africa i believe is breaking boundaries as well um and there's so much here in africa that's that's potential that has that like massive potential um and i'd like to see africa thrive in in that regard um yes obviously and my, my my biggest concern is that overseas countries tend to be overly romanticized um like the likes of paris and you know the likes of london and new york um and they overly tend to be overly romanticized when there's so much potential here um, to to grow this countries, to grow these cities, to grow these 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 beautiful African countries into what they can be, um, and that's what I personally feel.
0: Okay, Josh, now you've got great ideas. You are a very active and energetic person. So tell me about the top three apps on your phone that help you to be effective.
1: <laughs> um, Pinterest, big one. Uh, surprising laugh. Um, I. I I have my Pinterest always giving me articles, giving me ideas. Nice. I am on social media I am on social media a lot, but I'm on LinkedIn as well, reading up on people. Um, and then my, my Bible, My my autobiographical, um, like I have books um, that I'm reading and then I'm always listening to. Um, um, yeah, and I think that's essentially the top three apps if I would say on my on my, okay. on my on my on my on my phone.
0: All right. Now something um a bit off of the beaten track uh, if you were teleported to a, a, an island alone what are the, the three things you take with you
1: <laughs> on an island sure that's a ta- that's an interesting question i think i take a knife <laughs> i think right. a knife oh, is survival. essential <laughs> yes um i uh, I think electronics are pointless on an island. No electricity, no Wi-Fi. Yes, so <laughs> exactly. I think you need like an activity, like uh, Rubik's cube, to keep you busy. <laughs> um, and um, I, I think like uh, a book. You know, a book that you could read, um, that you can constantly read and reevaluate and 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 look at. Um, um, I think those would be my my okay. uh, my three good products.
0: Right. Yeah. Now, talking about books, Josh, if, if you had to write a book of your own, I always ask this question to entrepreneurs, what would the title be of that book? Sure. Um,
1: knowing Your Truth.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah. Does that I speak to that the why? Does the why of my yes. life? Yes. Yes. I
1: right. think if you, if you know your truth, it, it's so much easier to go to work through life and all its difficulties. Um if you know why you're doing what you're doing, um, it just, it just, everything just falls in place for you and everything comes into perspective. um, No matter what difficulty you're going
0: through. Right. Josh, and then the last question, if you could change three things in the world with a magic stick right now, what would they be?
1: The first one I believe would be poverty. Um, I think poverty is a massive, is a massive thing in the world that needs uh, attention. Um, And then obviously, um, racial inequality. I think that the whole last year really brought into place how um, the racial issues in the world are still not something that that have been addressed and they're causing massive separation between people. Um, And that's the thing is for me things that are bringing that are separating people and breaking people's unity for me is a very important thing and I think that's a very important thing. And ultimately, I think the one thing I also share is also generational equality. Like um, I think wealth is a big part of um, where we need to be. So um, countries that have got it right, where people start off with a good foundation, you know, they have the education paid for, they had, they have um, jobs waiting for them when they graduate. You know, those are, for me, I feel like that would be a place the world needs to be, is where people have access to education um and for me that would be important is making sure that the world has access to education because i believe i believe that education as um a a foundation can change lives
0: all right josh i'm i'm so thrilled to have been speaking to you about for for the last hour about your entrepreneurial journey thanks so much for your time i know an hour is a long time for any entrepreneur and uh, i wish you the best with your your venture going forward Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. It was really great talking to you. All right. Josh, thanks, and we'll chat soon again. Thanks, hey, eh? Cheers.